book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. This is the word of God for the people of God. So you've seen this kind of story in a book or a movie or maybe a sitcom. The husband's coming home from work. He sees his best friend and his wife run into the house and down the hall. He thinks infidelity. He flashes red hot. His adrenaline spikes. He rushes to the door and throws it over and begins to scream, I can't believe you two. And just then his wife, his best friend, and all of his family step out and yell, Surprise! It's his 50th birthday. He's forgotten all about it. He has misinterpreted the whole situation Maybe you've had that experience in your own life. If you read through the book of Acts, you find that one time after another, people misinterpret the situation. They misinterpret what God is doing through these first apostles and disciples. They misunderstand what God has done in Jesus Christ. You might remember the story in chapter 2 of Acts It's the day of Pentecost. We'll be reading this text in a few weeks. The Holy Spirit falls upon the gathered group of those who are following Jesus, believing that he has been raised from the dead. And then they begin to speak in such a way that people from different countries who speak different languages all can understand what God is saying. But it's just babbling to some of the observers, and they say about the disciples... They must be drinking new wine. They must be filled with new wine. That is, they must be drunk. They totally misinterpret and misunderstand the situation. The beginning or the opening of chapter 3 tells a story just before where we began to read in chapter 3 today where Peter and John, two of the disciples, are going to the temple to pray. They see a man that the text tells us is lame from birth. He's hoping for some help. Peter and John stop to help. They have a conversation with him. 
They think he wants some money. They don't have any money to give him. Peter says, we can pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And they do so. And the text says they reach out a hand and they help him stand up. And he's able to stand first with their help, then on his own. And by the time you get to verse 8, it says he's not only walking, but leaping and praising God throughout the temple courts. He has been healed. But those who are observers misunderstand. They're thinking there's something magic about Peter and John. And that's where we picked up the story today with Peter saying, it's not us. We didn't do this. It's not through our power or piety that this has happened. He says, this is God at work. This is how he says it in verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus. It's God who's at work here through Jesus Christ, Peter says. It's not us. It's something beyond us that's working through us. But Peter wants them to know there's a continuity here, that they know this God that's at work in them. This is not something new. This is not a different God. This is the God of their ancestors, of their forebearers at work here in their lives. But he also wants to point out their biggest misinterpretation was in how they treated Jesus that they misunderstood and misinterpreted what was going on. Again, after he tells them that this is the God of their ancestors, he says, this God has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him, but you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. He wants them to understand that this is God at work, but even more than that. Further, he wants them to know that the one who was rejected, that they rejected, is also the one that has been raised Raised from the dead, in fact. He says, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. It would be easy to misunderstand. It would be easy to misinterpret what is going on. But Peter's trying to contrast rejected and raised. This same person you rejected is the one that God has raised. And the power that raised the one you rejected is the same power, the same God that has made this lame man able to walk. Peter is saying, you misinterpreted it the first time. Will you understand this time? Can you see now that this God is at work in our midst? Same God. Same God that you've always known, Peter is saying. The God of our ancestors is at work 
in our lives, in our time, right here and right now. Oh, that was God of our forebears, our forefathers and mothers, but God's still at work. I think it's still true in our day that sometimes we forget how God might be at work in our lives, and it's helpful when we remind each other that God is still at work, folding all of our lives together, working through each and every one of us, weaving us somehow together in love for what God wants to accomplish in the world. And then a little bit further down in verse 17, Peter is still speaking and says, And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. So Peter wants them to know who God is and that God is at work. But another important, significant theological suggestion or proclamation he's making to them is that this God can use our ignorance, our mistakes, our missteps, and turn them into something good. That God works in amazing ways even through suffering he says even through our sin whether we have caused our own suffering or someone else has caused it whether we got off the track or others led us astray peter is saying god can help god can redeem it all god can take you from wherever you are and bring you back to life and life abundant and life eternal god can redeem it all he says and then the last verse we read repent therefore and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out so that you can have a clean slate a fresh start it's new life peter is saying just like god raising jesus from the dead Peter's telling in some ways his own personal story. Peter's known missteps. Peter has misunderstood Jesus on any number of occasions. As you read through the Gospels, he's probably the boldest disciple, but he's also probably the one that makes the most mistakes. And then, of course, in pivotal moments as Jesus is being arrested in that last week, Peter starts out bold. But then when he has a chance to be affiliated, connected to Jesus, he denies he even knows him. So Peter knows about ignorance and mistakes and missteps and sin and suffering. But he also knows about redemption. He is a witness in his own life. To one who's been redeemed, who's fallen away, who's made mistakes, who's denied Christ. And yet now he's a bold witness that this God who is at work in Jesus is at work in him and can be at work in any and all who might be willing to listen. He says, to this we are witnesses. So the question comes, 
Where have you seen God at work for good in your life? Where have you experienced God's love redeeming you? How have you known God's love working in your life or in the life of someone you know? And then once you've kind of identified your own experiences with all that, there's really a second question that Peter is raising. Are you ready to testify or witness to that? Are you ready to witness to the love of God alive in the world? Now, it would be easy to say, since research still tells us that public speaking is one of the greatest fears of most people, it would be easy to say, I'm no Peter. I'm not speaking up in a crowd. I'm not going to jump into the verbal debate. I'm not going to witness like that, so this doesn't really include me. Well, not so fast. There's 12 disciples. Peter's the only one speaking. I would say they're all witnesses. Acts tells us there's over 100 believers gathering. We don't have a record of them speaking like Peter is speaking, and yet they are witnesses all the same. So I think it's important, even if you don't see yourself as a public speaker or spokesperson for the gospel to think about your witness because there are many ways to witness right you can write a card and express your love and care for someone or tell them that you're praying for them or you're thinking of them or offering to help them in some way or another you can organize an event we just had a 130th anniversary weekend i had the idea but I didn't do any of the planning. I didn't carry it off, good thing, since I had COVID, but a lot of other people in the church who made that happen, a group of women mostly that met for over a year to organize everything you experienced on that weekend. I think that's a witness. We've got scores of people to come to the building before time for services and put on greeter badges to welcome others who are coming whether you've been here a hundred times or coming for the first time there are people here to give you directions to hand you a bulletin to shake your hand to show you where the sanctuary is it is a witness we have a whole group of people that go over to the greenwood district of vernon ame church every week and help serve food to those in need it is a witness not only to those who are coming for food, but it's a witness for racial reconciliation, for reaching out across denominational lines, for black and white people in Tulsa to work together to continue the healing, to move closer to, I think, God's kingdom on earth. It is a witness. I mentioned earlier the prayer team you can be a prayer without ever being a public speaker. You could join the team or you can do it on your own. So many people in our church kind of establish their own ministry of care or transportation or housing. So many ways to witness. I want you to think about what's your witness? Where is God leading you? What has God done in your life already that you can testify or witness to in terms of how you live out your own life and of course there's financial contributions that make all of this possible 
I think whenever you decide to give a dollar or a hundred dollars or however many dollars to the church, it's a witness that you believe that God is at work here, that good is going to come through our work together in this place and beyond. It's one way we can witness. I think it's all a witness. We each just have to find the role we can play where God's leading us, where's God prompting you. And to remember, it's not because you have special talent necessarily. Peter said it's not our power. It's not our piety or our great spiritual life, he's saying. It's the power of God. We're just opening ourselves to the power of God to work in our lives for someone else's good. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's available to you and me. It will lift us up, will carry us through, will animate our lives. It will give us new life if we're willing. When anyone comes to join the church, we ask them to make a five-fold vow. I've put it in your bulletin. We're asked to participate fully here through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. What is your witness? It's clear from the book of Acts, and if you read the newspapers these days, how easy it is for people to misinterpret what God is doing in the world. It makes our witness all the more important. Let us reach out like Peter and John and offer a hand up, offer a prayer, offer a proclamation that God is alive and at work, that God loves you and God wants good to come to you. How wonderful when all of us begin to witness to this love of God alive. May it be so. Amen. And thanks be to God.